for Isaiah Reed. All right? If you missed it, we can get you uh, CDs of the sermon and stuff like that. Um, we're going to put some of it on the website. We're going to have to do some editing and stuff like that, but we're going to put some on the website. Um, was it awesome or what, for those that were here? Uh, I'm, I'm so glad he came. <clears throat> we saw, I think my favorite thing of the whole day, I love Isaiah and stuff, I think my favorite time of the whole day, both times, was the altar times. Um, the fire tunnel that we had on Sunday night. Anyone here go through the fire tunnel and enjoy the fire tunnel? Um, if you've never heard of a fire tunnel, basically we have prayer people on one side and prayer people on another side, and they face each other, and it's like a, it's like a Holy Ghost car wash. Um, we do the, the conga line down the aisle, and you go through the car wash, and people just pray for you and pray that God just blesses you and that you experience God. See, Christianity without an experience is worthless. Church, religion, singing songs, going to church, hearing a sermon without an encounter with God, it's, it's meaningless. It means nothing. Life without His presence is empty. And so we want you to have an encounter with God. We, that's why we do the worship service. That's why we meet together, because we want people to encounter Him and then learn how to do it so when they go home, they can learn how to encounter Him in their homes. Right? And so I loved last week. I want to tell you I'm so proud of you as a church. I am. Um, I, there, there are some people that called me and said, hey, we're out of town this week for Labor Day weekend, so I will have to tell them in person. But everyone in this room, I'm proud of you as a church. We took a big risk bringing Isaiah in. He, he goes around. He travels all over. He's not just a, um, a run-of-the-mill kind of person. And so I was really nervous about bringing him in. Like, can we bless him financially? Being completely honest, can we bless him the way he deserves to be blessed financially? And you guys, the offering that came in was over $1,300. Just for Isaiah, right? And it's not about money. It's about honor. It's about honoring him. And then the DVD sales was on top of that. So I feel very confident. I felt so proud handing him that check Sunday night, saying, Isaiah, this is from our people. Besides the hugs and saying we appreciate you, we're, putting, we're tipping our guide because we enjoyed the ride, right? <laughs> we enjoyed the time, and we wanted to honor you. And I felt very confident and proud to do that. And he said, he prophesied over our church, and um, <clears throat> some stuff I'll share um, as we go through the days. But the main thing he said is, you have nothing to be ashamed of here. He said, your, your church, the way people worship, the way people treat one another, he says, that, that's the way church is supposed to be. He said, a drug addict off the street would feel comfortable here. A rich person would come in here and feel comfortable here. He says, you got your people are doing a good job of creating a culture that shows people the love of Christ. And so he began to prophesy over the church and stuff, and we'll go into that later. But I just want you to know I'm proud, um, proud to call this our church home. Um, Sarah was inviting uh, one of her friends at work uh, to, to, to see Isaiah, and something just came over me. And I said, we have a good church. Like, we really have, how many think we have a good church, Right? Everything that we do, there's just something about the place that feels good. And I told, I told Sarah, I was like, people need to know about it. People that don't know God need to know there's a place where they can meet God that's not about the rules of God. It's about the presence of God. It's about God's grace. And it's about their lives becoming better. It's not about what they can give to the church, but what the church can give back to them. And I want people to know that. And so you have friends that don't know God. You have friends that aren't in church anywhere. Those are the people you need to go tell them, hey, I have a place. If you've been burnt 10 years ago and your pastor hurt you or you used to go to church when you were little and you got burnt out on it, this is a place that you can come. 
and you'll feel freedom. I believe that. I have 100% confidence in that part, that ministry of our church, that if people don't want to go to church, that they will feel comfortable coming here. We may be a little bit weird on some things, right? We may be a little Holy Ghost filled and all that kind of stuff. It may be weird to them at first, but you cannot deny the encounter with God's presence and his love. And so I just wanted to tell you, tell your friends. If you're proud of it, don't keep it to yourself. There's a story in, in 1 Kings, I believe, of, uh, of some lepers. And it was a time of, of famine. And they couldn't find food anywhere. All the towns were in crisis mode. There wasn't bread. There wasn't food. There wasn't anything. And these lepers were out. There was three of them. And they stumbled on this city that had been abandoned. And there was grain there. There was food. And they were like, whoa, we've stumbled on this abandoned city. And there's food. Let's eat until we throw up. And they start eating, and they're like, oh, this is so good. This is the best food I've ever had. And they're just eating and eating like, oh, we love it. And in the middle of their feast, as their stomachs were swelling and they were ready for a nap, right, they looked at one another and said, you know what? It's wrong for us to keep this to ourselves when so many other people are starving and hungry. We have to go tell people about this place. And that's how I feel about our church. It would be wrong for us to enjoy God's presence, enjoy what he's doing, and just gorge ourselves to fatness and not tell anybody about it. Now, this isn't my sermon, but it kind of is a sermonette. <laughs> so if you have people, tell them about it. Right? Because you're the church. When they meet you, the way you treat them is the way they're going to think our church is. Not by what I say up here, by what Matt or anyone else does. They're going to meet you, and they're going to associate you with the Bridge Church. And so you, you have an ability to really impact a city, all right? Whew. All right. Everybody good? You ready for a short sermon? Like, yes, because I have a busy weekend. <laughs> Me too. We have a kickball game going on. This, no, I'm just playing. Totally. Kyle and I were joking. He was like, dude, we need to have a kickball game. I haven't played kickball since I was younger. Like, you know, I was a youth pastor years ago. I love kickball. How many love kickball? It's fun, right? I guess we need to have a church kickball thing, right? It'd be really fun. I just got a message that we need to pray for uh, Melody. So, how many know Melody Baker? We want to pray for her right now, all right? She's going to the hospital right now. Donna's taking her. So, Lord, we just ask right now that you would speak uh, healing over Donna, that you, that over uh, uh, Melody right now. I ask that you would calm the asthma. I rebuke uh, the, the symptoms that she has, the sickness that she's had with her breathing. We ask that you would bring peace right now, that you would loosen her lungs and the muscles that, that, that constrict and make it hard for her to breathe. I ask that you would heal her. In Jesus' name, I ask that you give her a miracle and just love on her. In Jesus' name, amen. All right? <clears throat> I want to, uh, there's like a couple of things that tie in together. I'm going to do it pretty quick. But I want you to, to know that the only thing that is real in life is God's kingdom and the supernatural or the eternal. Do you know that like we're, I like what, I don't know if it was Isaiah or if I heard it from somewhere else. We are not, I think it was Isaiah. We are not human beings <laughs> having a spiritual experience with God. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Like we're going to be here forever. Everyone in this room, forever, you're alive from now on. Your spirit will be alive forever, your soul. So the, the 80 years or so that we're here on earth is so temporary when you think of the scope of eternity. 
right? Can't even think about it. When I was a little kid and, I, I, and they would talk about going to heaven or going to hell, man, I hated those sermons. Like the thought of living forever freaked me out. Like even now, if I start thinking about, I don't know if I want to live forever. I don't really want to live forever. I don't want to be forever young. <laughs> Anyone know the 80s song? Because of my mind. Forever young. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know if I want to live forever. I don't know if I can handle it. And so I would start thinking about eternity. And just for a second, try to think about it, like forever. It like wrinkles your brain, right? It's impossible to put our mind on. But we are eternal beings. So the things that we experience and encounter here on earth, it's a temporary thing. The Bible says the things that are unseen are eternal, but the things that we see are temporary. So for you and I to trip up over temporary things, it's kind of foolish, The kingdom is the only thing that's real. Eternity is what's real. The supernatural is what's real. The world has tried to take the word supernatural and and say it means something you can't see or prove or something that can't be explained. But the supernatural is the most real thing that there is. And you and I are living, we are connected to a kingdom that is the real reality. Sickness is not reality. The kingdom is superior to that. I want you to know that that the earth is abnormal. It is temporary, right? The world that we live most aware of will will be what our perception of reality is anchored to. So the world I'm most aware of, if I'm most aware of the earth and problems and issues, then my perception is going to be anchored to problems and, and issues. But if my heart is anchored to eternity, to the kingdom, to the supernatural, then when things come up, I'm not going to respond to issues and hardships. I'm going to only respond to the world that's superior. Does that make sense? So if you go through life and an issue, a problem, a struggle comes, and you immediately focus on the problem or the issue, there's something in our heart that's anchored to temporary things. And the Lord wants us to cut the ties with temporary things and and connect with superior, eternal things. He said there's a place that he wants us to come to where we have divine perspective, where we see things from his point of view, where we see things through his eyes, where when a crisis comes, we don't freak out like the disciples on the on the on the on the sea when the the storm was raging. They thought they were going to die. They only saw what they saw in the moment. And Jesus says, where is your faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of unseen things. So he's telling them, you're anchored to a temporary world right now because you are reacting to a storm. But I want your faith to rise because faith will bring the supernatural, will bring the eternal into the temporary. God is calling us as a church to move past the temporary, to move past the end of our nose, to move past the issues that we confront. And he's calling us to perform the supernatural. Like there's something stirring in me right now for the supernatural. Like never before. I've grown up in church my whole life. I have seen people's legs grow out. I have seen people slain in the spirit when no one touched them and it was real and they fell and hit their head on the ground. It sounded like a coconut. And you're like, they are totally dead. They're going to have a, they're going to have, you know, something bleeding out of their ears. They're going to have a concussion. And they would get up and not even know that they hit the ground. I've seen people be healed of stuff. I've seen, literally, seen things disappear, uh, things off people's faces and sickness and disease. I've seen the supernatural. But that is so small. 
small compared to what he wants us to do. And my hunger, all those things do is just stir me up for more. How many want more? So the only way that we can, that we can bring more is allow our faith to be anchored to the, what's unseen, all right? When Jesus came to earth and he saw someone who was dead, that was illegal to him. When he saw someone who was crippled, he's like, wait a second. I come from an eternal world where the, there's the supernatural presence of God is there and the glory of God is everywhere. I come from that world and he comes to this earth, a temporary place, and he sees sickness, he sees disease, he sees demon possession, and he says, there's a problem here. How can a temporary thing captivate an eternal thing? I hope y'all are following with me. This is so important for us. How can something that's temporary take hostage something that's an eternal thing that's created to, for the pleasure of God? How can a temporary thing take it hostage? And so when Jesus would walk down the street, if he saw someone sick, it was impossible for him to walk past a sick person and not cause them to have an encounter with his eternal world because that was reality to him. He saw someone who couldn't speak. He's like, wait a second. I've never seen in heaven anyone not be able to speak. So if it's not in heaven, then how come we're allowing it to happen here on earth? This is Jesus' mindset. What deafness? What is deafness? I don't even know what deafness is. In heaven, everyone can hear perfectly. So you're deaf. That's, a, that's illegal for that to happen. I'm the spotless lamb. This is Jesus. I'm the spotless lamb who came to pay the price so that this illegal activity ceases. He was anchored to a world, and so anytime he couldn't walk past a funeral procession without raising him from the dead. He, I could just see him like, no, I'm not going to do it today. I'm not going to do it today. And then, bam, he's over there like a little kid, ADD. Where, where's the next sick person? Where's the next thing going on? I could just see him searching out. What did he say? I have to go to Samaria. Why? There's a lady there. I have to see. I can see Jesus like a puppy that's so excited he can't handle himself because he's like, I know a reality that's superior to what you guys are living in, and my heart is anchored to that world. I'm in direct, I'm in right relationship with my father, Jesus talking, and so I cannot allow these illegal things to happen anymore. Are you tracking with me? Anything the enemy does to steal, kill, or destroy, it's illegal for him to do those things. He's breaking the law. The law of the Spirit, alive in Christ Jesus, has set me free from the law of sin and death. You guys know the first part. It's in Romans 8. There is, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The second part, for the law of the Spirit, the new law, the Spirit law, alive in Jesus, has canceled, has set us free from the law of sin and death, from the wages of sin and death. You and I have an opportunity to live a human experience with an eternal mindset. Did you get that? <laughs> Did you get that? <laughs> he has presented to you a gift of eternity, of the supernatural, where 
the kingdoms of this world bow until they all become the kingdoms of Jesus. This is why we do church. This is why we know Jesus. It's not to just go to heaven. If you think that Jesus died on the cross just so that when your earthly experience is over, you can go to heaven, then you are missing the biggest part of the equation. If you just want to set it on cruise control and just make it in by the skin of your teeth, you can do that. But when you get to heaven and all the other people around you are getting beautiful crowns with jewels in them and big mansions, then you're going to be like, man, I wish I wouldn't have set it on cruise control. I just want you to get this. Jesus only did what he saw the Father do. He could only say what he heard the Father say. So when he came to an earthly experience that was temporary for him, the Bible says that in his three years of ministry, if you'll study it, Jesus only did ministry for about three years. There's from the time he was 12 till he was 30 or so that we don't really even know what he did. And it was to follow Jewish customs that most ministers and priests couldn't operate until their 30th or 31st year because they, they started your, your counting from when you were conceived rather than when you were born. And so Jesus comes on the scene, and for three years, the Bible says that he did more miracles than all of the books in all of the world could contain. In three years. Is everybody okay? In three years, a young man did more miracles, did more breakthrough than all the books could contain if he told the stories about it. Why? Because when he came here, I bet he was shocked. I bet he was like, man, (laughs) what is pain? What is this pain? It's illegal. No to pain. I say pain, no, you're you're not home here. You have no authority here. Family crisis, divorce, adultery. No, those are foreign things. They, they, those aren't real. Let me bring the reality of the kingdom. <clears throat> a woman caught in the very act of adultery, thrown at the feet of Jesus, and all the people around her said, they had stones in their hands, said, the law says to stone her. What do you want us to do? He says, hey, if, if you don't have any sin, you can be the first one. The Bible says that they dropped the rocks and walked away. Did you know that there was still one person left that could could condemn her? Think about this. He said, whoever has no sin can throw the first stone. So when everyone left, Jesus was the one who had no sin, who had legal right to throw the first stone. But listen to what he says to her. Hey, woman, where are all those people that had stones that wanted to kill you? Where'd they go? She's like, oh, they're gone. There's no one left here. He goes, well, I don't condemn you either. And then he empowers her. He says, go and don't sin anymore. He only knew the superior reality. He did not understand the temporary things. Everyone following with me so far? Storms, sickness, death, all those things were not real to him. So they were were illegal and they were inferior to his reality. So he could only make his world look like the world he was anchored to. Everybody good? The Lord is calling us to a new place as a church. 
to where we make this world look like his world. Like where we just don't accept stuff. Last Monday morning or right around noon, I had made the church deposit and done all the stuff that I need to do and paid bills. And um, I came in here just to check everything. And when I got to the back door, the presence of God hit me, all right? And um, I couldn't control myself, man. I started weeping and crying. The Holy Spirit came all over me. My whole body felt like jello. felt like I was in a fire tunnel after Sunday night. So I start walking in. I get to that back row right about where Victor is. And the presence of God was so strong that I just slumped into the chair. And I was like, oh, man. I was like, man, if it's this good back here by the door, how awesome is it going to be in the front where the fire tunnel was, right? So I make my way down the aisle. And as I got closer, it got less in its intensity. And I was like, okay. I walked up here and started praying and stuff. And I was like, I'm going back there. I got back there, man, it was over. God wrecked me. Holy Spirit just came all over me, and I just began to weep and began to pray things that I never thought to pray before. Began to pray over our church, and the Lord told me to to look at Isaiah 47. And I don't want to read it all right now, but I just want to kind of summarize it. It says in Isaiah 47 that out of the temple, from from the altar of the temple, a river began to come up. All right? And it says that as the river went out of the doorpost and it went out of the temple, the further it got from the altar, the deeper it got. I want you to listen to me because we're going somewhere with this. He says, I measured out so far and it was ankle deep. And then I went further from the altar, from the temple, and it was knee deep. Then I measured out some more and it was waist deep. I measured out some more and it was like up to my neck. And I measured out some more, and there were waters to swim, and I couldn't touch. I was completely out of, uh, out of control. And the Lord began to speak to me about this. He said, as, as the church, the river of God, the presence of God should get deeper the further we get from this building. It shouldn't be more because we come to church. What he's telling us is now it's time for us to take what we have here to the streets, to the workplace to Target, to Walmart, to the movie theater. Everywhere we go, everywhere we do life, to the bank, to to the gas station, to the bill place, to the schools, wherever we do life, the river should get deeper the further we get from the altar. The presence of God should go with us because our hearts are anchored to reality that's superior to everything we see here. When we see people that are broken in the world, our hearts should break. When we see people that are sick in the world, we should, something in us should say that's illegal and justice should rise up and say there's a world that's superior to this world. And the Lord's calling us to be that kind of a church. And I just want to ask you if you want to go there with us. To be the weird church. Remember the prophecy was that we would be weird? That I would be weird? Look up the word weird sometime. What does it mean? Out of this world, other, otherworldly, supernatural. The world wants us to be weird. God wants us to be weird. You guys okay? So the Lord really started just stirring this up in me that we've got to take it out there. 
Then the last thing he started speaking to me was about erosion. And um, have you ever seen like a thunderstorm come to the desert? And like if you've watched Man vs. Wild or something like that where they're doing survival things and they're walking through those canyons, those canyons have been created when thunderstorms would come up and it would rain real hard, a flash flood, and the water would have nowhere to go and it would eat its way through the soft uh, ground and it would create a canyon and it would erode away the land. It would change the whole environment. You seen that? I want to make that as a spiritual analogy. Only in places where hearts are already soft will the and suddenly revival outpourings change culture. But where there's hardness of heart, you have to have a constant presence of the river for erosion to change the culture. In places where people are kind of already hungry for God, a flash flood thing of God just moving in a revival thing, and bam, God shows up, that will immediately change a culture because their hearts are soft. But where there's granite and there's hard stones, it takes a consistent, extended period of the river being there for it to change the culture and its environment. You and I cannot live only for the end suddenly moments that God moves. We have to be a constant presence of the river of God wherever we go. If we can be that consistent, constant presence of Him, we will change our culture. Everybody good? That right there rocked me. It's about being consistent. It's about being real all the time, not having your bad moments. And if you do, get over it real fast. <laughs> Throw your temper tantrum. Get over it, right? Move on. You've got a job to do. You've got to carry the presence of God. So I just kind of want to end it like this, and then we'll hand it off to Matt. We'll do, pray for some other things. <clears throat> if you're here and say, hey, I want to be anchored to the supernatural, and I want to carry the river consistently everywhere I go to change culture, I want you to stand right where you're at. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just pray for yourself, right? You know what the the topic is. You know what the theme is. Just begin to pray over yourself. I'm going to pray over our whole church. Lord, all of us, we want to be supernatural people having an earthly experience, not the other way around. We want to live for eternity, not for today. We want to live with the end in mind, not with just the moment we're in. Father, I ask that you would begin to show us the authority and the power that you have given us and help us begin to access it and operate in that authority and power so that we can gain more authority and more power. Not for us, but to trample on darkness. To show the enemy that the things that he does on earth are illegal activities and that we're here to arrest him. And we're here to make him, um, uh, to, to arrest him and make him pay for, for punishing innocent people. God, I ask that you would anchor our hearts and our souls to the eternal. Stir up the gift of faith inside of every person here. 
I ask that the measure of faith we've given will be increased exponentially, Lord. That the measure of boldness that we have would grow as well, Lord. That we can couple faith with boldness. And we can couple faith and boldness with experience in your presence. (laughs) Father, I ask that you begin to stir up spiritual gifts inside of the people in this room. And the people that aren't here. Begin to stir up spiritual gifts. The weird, supernatural, powerful gifts that you have for us, Lord. That the world is in desperate need of. Lord, it's not about what they can give to us. It's about what us as a church can give to them. It's about what we can do for them. It's about how we can serve them. How we can give, make their lives better, regardless of what we think of them, Lord. Lord, I ask that you'd help us as a church to know that we're not here to do the work of the Holy Spirit. But we're simply here to love. We're not here to condemn, to convict, or to anything like that. We are here to love people and to encounter with you. So, Lord, I ask that everywhere we go, that you would make us portals, that you would make us gates, that you would make us living, breathing encounters with you, Lord, that everywhere we go, that people would encounter you, Father, that the broken and the hurt would encounter your love when they encounter us. Lord, that we can say what Jesus said. If you've seen us, you've seen the Father. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. So I'm a guy who anytime something important needs to be done, I'm always wanting to make a plan. And then, you know, <laughs> usually the plan doesn't really work out. <laughs> I don't stick to my plans. I've tried to make plans before on how to fit the presence of God in my life better, you know. Okay, I'm going to start. Okay, i got to wake up 20 minutes earlier every day so that I can worship before I go to work, you know, and then that lasted like two days, you know. (laughs) I'm not good at executing plans, I guess. So my first thought whenever Jared's talking about how we need to really step forward and um, take the presence of God to the world, was like, okay, I need a plan. I got to make a plan to do that because that's important. And then I was like, no, no, don't make a plan for that because then it'll guaranteed it won't get done. <laughs> this is something that we've just got to do, you know. And, and I, you know, I used to pastor kids' church. And I found the most effective times for pastoring kids was whenever I had the least amount of plan. And I would just go in and let God lead the service and, and make, you know, it's hard to do with kids. You have to have good control and stuff. But those were the best times. When you just let God lead. Let Him make up the plan. And then you just hear it as you go. And I think this is what we need to do with this. As we go out there into our lives, into our workplaces, 
into you know other social settings and things like that, we're just going to have to keep our ear open to God. Just that's, I mean that's just the way it's going to have to be. You can't really make a plan for that, and we're going to have to have some guts. You know, it takes some it takes some guts to be weird. I've been weird for most of my life. In recent years, I feel like I fit in, but then I realize it's only because I found other weird people. <laughs> it takes it takes some guts to embrace weirdness. Say, so, you know what? I'm going to be weird, and that's what I'm going to be. And we're going to have to do that because it's really easy to just try to fit in. You know, everybody else at the grocery store is just really really courteous to not stare at that guy in a wheelchair. <laughs> it's really easy to do that, right? Okay, I've learned how to be courteous. I'm not going to stare at the guy in a wheelchair. I'm just going to go about my business. Maybe I'll say hi to him, you know? But now it's time for us to be weird. Now we've got to do something more than just stare at him. We've got to go pray for him. In faith. Not just, not just for the sake of praying. You ever done that before? I'm going to pray for this person, but only because I feel like I have to because I'm a Christian. <laughs> I got to live up to my weird reputation. The Lord in Jesus' name. Blah, 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 blah. Have a good one. And just walk away. Walk away. Flee the scene. <laughs> no, now we have to really pray and believe because, because we've come into a revelation. We've come into an understanding that there's a superior reality. There's a reality in eternity that trumps everything we see here. It's so perfect what, what you talked about, how Jesus recognized how could something temporary captivate and hold hostage something that's eternal. That person in a wheelchair or that, that person who, who's crippled or, or whatever case may be, that's an eternal creature. Just like us, it's a spiritual creature having a human experience. How can something that is human like crippledness take him captive, take that person captive? It can't. That person's made by God. They're made to be perfect. How can something imperfect take a hold of them? They are God's creation. That's the reality that we've come into an understanding of. And it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe. But it's the truth. We've got to remember that. You can't keep doing what you've always done you know, and hope for things to be different. Although sometimes they will be. Sometimes God just comes in and does what he wants to do. You're like, I didn't do anything different. And God just does that. That's grace. Once you taste grace, that is now an invitation for you to not have to have grace again because you're constantly in that place. Does that make sense? So God comes in, he says, you know what, Matt, I know you didn't do the work here. You didn't do anything you're supposed to do that I asked you to do. You've been ignoring me all week, but I'm just going to make this happen for you. Now that's my invitation to say, okay, leave the past behind. Now I can start a clean slate with God and be an effective Christian. If I continue to just be who I've always been and hope for grace, I'm not going to be consistent. As Jerry said, we need to be. The world's hearts are hardened. If we're simply a flash flood, you're not going to make any difference. So we have to change. 
Because grace is a flash flood. It's a flash flood. God just sends it, boom, he makes change. But it's our job to harbor that grace and make it permanent. And we can't do that without changing our habits, without changing our mindset, without changing the way we think from day to day. There has to be a step up. All right, when you step up, you're using extra muscles. There's going to have to be a push in us. I don't know how else to put it. I wish I could tell you it was really easy. (laughs) But it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to take God to a world that's been turned off from the idea of God. But we're the ones to do it. We're the ones to do it. So let's close out with this. I'll know I've rambled longer than I usually do. I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm sorry. Sorry, I said I'm sorry. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's Labor Day weekend, right? So we all have tomorrow off. We're going to have a nice time. We're going to, right? Well, most of us have. If you have to work tomorrow, just raise your hand. Can we just pray for these folks? (laughs) That they will not labor in their work? (laughs) Lord, I just want to pray over everybody that has to work tomorrow. I think it's so messed up, Father, that we have a labor day where you're supposed to be off from labor, and yet people still have to labor. So I just want to pray for you to be with them, that they can have a good time in their workplace, that that it wouldn't be like work. Just be with them, Father, tomorrow, in Jesus' name. And the rest of us, you know, we have time off. We're going to go be with people. We're going to go be with friends. We're going to go maybe play volleyball. I don't know what you're going to do. Kickball. Find a time before Tuesday, before Tuesday, to practice what we learned today. Find somebody to pray for. Find somebody to have a conversation with who needs encouragement. You know, find something. Find some way to take the river that you taste here in church and make it deeper out there. Okay? Find a way to do it either today or tomorrow, before this weekend. See, you got extra time. It's Labor Day weekend. God's hooking you up with some extra time. But bef- so before the end of the weekend, before you go back to work on Tuesday, have this thing figured out. So that way you can start doing it daily. Start doing it on cue, whenever. Make it not weird for you anymore. Make it normal for you. All right? Okay, that's all I got. Uh, any announcements? Kids fundraiser is due next Sunday. So if you're buying premium coffee or what was the other thing that they were selling? Cookies. Oh, let me some cookie dough. <laughs> it is, is, due, is due next uh, next Sunday. And we have Collide tonight. Anybody who wants to come and have a collision with God, boom, right here tonight we're going to make it happen. Have a good afternoon. We'll see you all later.